were just watching Great British Menu, and one of them mm. was cooking faggots. So we were like, huh, because I had thought that the non-slur use of faggot was for like a bundle of sticks. But it turns out yeah. it's like also like a little meatball thing in England. Yeah. Um, so we were like, oh, how did it become, you know, from bundle of sticks to the slur it is today for gay men? And it was a very similar moment to, you know, when you looked up, like, oh, what is the etymology of of lowbrow? And you're like, oh, it's not only classist, it's racist. That we look it up and it was like, well, originally is what people would call women. And then it got used to call gay men. And I'm like, oh, it's just coming for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And it was that, especially like old women, would be carrying bundles of like twigs and wood on their backs to sell, especially when mm, they were like like that woman in Mamma Mia. Yes, exactly. You know, that's like yeah. the old woman. She like froze it. <laughs> so that's like li- like exactly her. So it came from that. <laughs> they were just like, oh, so it's just okay. <laughs> like maybe it's something <laughs> equally horrifying but interesting. But no. <laughs> Should I start? Yeah. Let me retie my hair. <laughs> oh, that's what I can do. Okay, welcome to Bread and Barricades. <laughs> uh, this is Nemo Martin. I use they, them pronouns. And uh, today I looked at myself in the mirror and thought, wow, that that looks like Iruka from the anime Naruto. Uh, so I'm very excited. I've reached my lifelong dream. Um, I've been growing my hair out in lockdown. I've never had it this long before, but I love me a, a, a charming <laughs> long-haired updo guy. Um, and yeah, finally reached that goal. So I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like I peaked, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep going. Next, uh, we'll have to go for like uh, Chinese drama. Yeah. Very, very long hair. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, you have enough hair for like a really full bun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Stevie. She, they pronouns. Uh, me and Nemo have actually been going on the exact same hair journey where before yeah. lockdown, we had the same tiny little, like, shaved on the sides, just a bit of bowl cut because I was looking at the picture of us together. <laughs> The other day I was like, look at those melons. (laughs) So both of us have like, there was, I feel like it was a couple months ago, both of us sent selfies into a group chat and we both had the same half little sprig of a ponytail. Yeah. (laughs) I'm also going for the like, I've not had hair longer than my shoulders since I was like eight or nine years old as well that I'm like who would I be let's find out and I just really enjoy that we're on that together yeah yeah we are and it's very exciting because we both got to miss being in public with the uh, awkward stage of it being bad (laughs) (laughs) I feel like mine is still an awkward stage of it being bad but I think Um, that's just I don't think so it might just be I don't fully know what to always do with it it's we both have the same mm. hair, but we have such different hair texture that it doesn't look like we're copying each other. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We can uh, uh, not fall out as girlfriends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
You copied me. <laughs> Speaking of copying each other. <laughs> hey, it's Victor Hugo. Um, and it's not actually in the first chapter, but there's going to be a lot about how basically the whole world is just copying Paris, so we can't be <laughs> So remember that transition. <laughs> yeah, remember that actually that transition was solid. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll come back for it. I'll pick it up. Um, but yeah, we're back talking about the gammon. Um, the little yeah. Parisian boy that is Paris and Paris is him. And Victor Hugo loves them both very dearly. And I feel like if he, if it was coming across how much he loved him and Paris in the first load of chapters in this book they have they have nothing on what's coming it was like reaching points where you're just like <laughs> it was co- like on the one hand you know it's like almost cute where you're like oh you just like love your town so much but then you're also like mm, you love your town so much <laughs> but he opens this one up with as uh teased in the last the last episode the gammon would have his own place in India's caste system. Mm, yeah, we love to start it off with some Orientalism. Mm, Hugo, tell me more. So he like starts it off that way, but he doesn't really expand on that that much, this little mm. chapter, where he's like, so the first line is, the brotherhood of the Parisian gamin virtually constitutes a caste. You might almost say an exclusive cast, and then he like gets into <laughs> as he's he kind of just is reiterating what he said before that he's like mm-hmm. here's why they hold each other in such high regard. It could be from anything from like oh I stole this from this person, or I saw a man fall off this roof once, and they're all like oh wow <laughs> that's like you know the accolades they have within each other, um, mm. and like yeah. Is getting into more more of the same from before of like being a free thinker is very important. They go to these theater things. Uh, he's a born roofer and they're very good at climbing. And among gammons, a memorable accident carries a lot of weight. Uh, <laughs> being left-handed makes you very enviable. Being squint-eyed is something revered. So like more more of these sort of characteristics of the gammon, but he doesn't really ex- like i guess he's assuming that you the reader would have some understanding of the caste system mm. so that he's like i can just sort of you know list all these characteristics out and you'd be like yeah they should but he like at, mm-hmm. besides that one line at the top he does not expand on it <laughs> so it's like did you need to it's just the like smattering. It's the same thing as the like using the slave imagery kind of thing of being mm. like, aha, and the microscope, I would argue as well. It's just little, you know, a little bit of spice to add to <laughs> the seasoning. Spice for Victor Hugo. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Because, yeah, I was like waiting for, waiting for more, whether it was like, I mean, I couldn't imagine it being a good take, but you're like, you're waiting for the take, and you're like, oh, that was it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so the but the uh, the part about like oh being left-handed and having s- squinty eyes is like a desirable attributes to gammons that it's kind of like 
in opposition to the like phrenology is that that's what Mm. it was where it was like measuring your face and like beautiful people are good people physiognomy Um, yeah that one yeah so sorry uh i wonder what phrenology is definitely a thing but definitely not but I thought it was. I think I think they're like maybe interchangeable, or not interchangeable, but like parts of similar. Ugh, I need to put my glasses on. One second. <clears throat> there we go. Uh, for analogy. Oh yeah, I think that one's for like um, uh, for the brain and like okay. what part of the brain is what part. And then physiognomy is the one where you like look at someone and then you're like, you look like a tiger, which means that you are. <laughs> good or you look like an eagle which means that you are bad mm-hmm. um, okay so they and are... also you've got high brow ridges which means that you are good and <laughs> you've got low brow ridges which means you are bad <laughs> so they're, they're siblings phrenology and physiognomy yeah yeah uh, which i guess like he has painted this picture of gammons as they're like these little scamps and they'll do a bit of like petty crime and things like that so i guess maybe them enjoying attributes that like in quotation marks like you know like the citizens wouldn't see as uh as good attributes so maybe they are still falling into Mm. that but like yeah that it was like oh they like is it nice like it kind of felt like (laughs) oh it's like at least somewhere people enjoy these attributes that you'd be like probably looked down for on for having Mm. i feel like that falls into that um I think I mentioned it before, the like Henry Mayhew's uh, London Poor book, where he went around and was like cataloging all of the like uh, the London, <laughs> London's poor, and was like, oh, look at this charming little fellow with his crutch. Oh, isn't it cute? I feel like it's part of that, like, not like sideshow or like freak show kind of thing, but like mm. um, charming in scare quotes like ableism yeah where it's like uh uh well at least in the gutters of paris they can be free and happy (laughs) okay (laughs) imagine if we treated with them with respect and called them gentlemen how funny would that be no at least they're happy where they are (laughs) yeah okay yeah i see it (laughs) yeah i wasn't sure if it was like like i i think i see it as most I don't know if sweet's the right word, but you know, like if it was like it it's within that community that they're like, Yeah, we love that we're left handed or whatever. Mm. Whereas the step back of if it was Victor Hugo being like, Oh, it's so quaint that they're left handed, <laughs> like that's two different things and yeah. gives two different feelings. Yeah. I think it's like the, you know that there's that cartoon that's like, um it's basically like these two pink characters are like ostracized by these like this group of orange characters and so they're like okay we'll like build ourselves a little box and then the orange characters come back and they're like hey we want to be we want to join the box and everyone and the people in the pink are like but you told us that we couldn't come into the orange um it's like similar to that where it's like and with like gay communities and Mm. stuff where it's like you know gay clubs now in london are seen as the kind of like oh it's so cool to go to a gay club you know like you have to like you're like really in the scene and it's like they existed because we couldn't go anywhere else and we would be like killed (laughs) so like i think it's kind of like that where hugo is looking at them like oh isn't it so cute that they're like being so so happy and like oh my god like they're left-handed and it's like yeah because like <laughs> if you're left-handed in victorian slash um 19th century paris then you get it like beaten out of you yeah 
I mean, yeah, that was why it, like, stood out to me so much. They're like, oh, wow, like, yeah. it's fine being left-handed here, because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you're very good at articulating <laughs> this, the, the vague, vaporous clouds of thoughts that I'm barely stringing together, <laughs> so thank you for that. I did... Uh, a longer work day today so it's been like extra hours of sniffing glue <laughs> so i'm gonna pretend Excellent. that it's just that that's uh yeah. but i'm not always like this <laughs> even though we've been doing this podcast for like four years so like i definitely am <laughs> <laughs> and on that little left-handed note there's the first little chapter um oh, yeah first line of the next one in summer he turns into a frog and that's just some relatable content right there. <laughs> I keep getting get sent this one TikTok. I can't remember what their name is, but one of them's called Omar and one of them's called Matt. And Omar is non-binary. And they were like, it's such a stereotype, but I love mushrooms and frogs. <laughs> I literally, Kat sent me that today. <laughs> but I was like, well, what happened? <laughs> we can't help that. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't think that you could question your gender? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we're all gammons, really. <laughs> if a gammon is a little frog child. That, so this chapter, the second one, it's, it becomes very... I guess this whole thing's been kind of like anthropology style. Like Victor Hugo is sat in a tree, just like watching them all play out. Or, or like he's like David Attenborough style because he's like so in the summer they turn into a frog and they have these little warning calls from gammon to gammon these little cries you can hear out and here's what they mean and it sounds like a verse from Homer um, and it's them being like basically just warning each other that the police are coming um, but yeah it feels very like those little you know those little birds doing like the calls and the little mating dances that they do. Mm. That was kind of the vibes. Kind of cute. Um, like you know, they're like it's things like that 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 don't get adapted very well. But and I haven't talked about it much. Well, I have talked about it quite a lot. But the largely Les Misérables, the one from twenty nineteen, um, uh, film about police brutality in France in 2019, 2018. And like, there, there is a scene where all of the like neighborhood kids are like shouting, like, it's the cops, it's the pigs, run, run, run. And like, they're like protecting this one kid by like, yeah, hiding him and like confusing the cops by like shouting at each other. And like, they've got the, you know, uh, slang and stuff like that. And I think that's pretty cool. It's shit. It's shit that it still happens. Yeah. Um, it's like one of those things where I was like, wow, it's a really cool image. And then I'm like, I don't know, but it's, you know, it's terrible. It's, it's like born terrible. of necessity. But it's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Well, we still like to see accurate representations, I guess, <laughs> even when they make you sad when you uh-huh. feel like, oh, <laughs> this is accurate representation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they were at it even here in 1830, their famous cry of, um, oh, my stupid little voice will only sound stupid saying these <laughs> words. Like, I can't give people nicknames or, like, uh, fact, what are the, what, what's that? 
God, my brain is so dead. I apologize. Um, Epithets? No. That's the fancier <laughs> word of, you know, when you just like call someone cute little things. Oh, uh, oh my God. I haven't even used the thing clue. <laughs> um, it's, it's so Pet names. Huh? Yeah. Like I can't call my girlfriend by pet names because in this awkward <laughs> person voice it just sounds dumb so prepare for that um i feel like it's got worse like basically since i lost my lester accent i can't say <laughs> words and not sound awkward and southern um oh hey tt oh hey here comes trouble there's fashions about grab your stuff and run for it cut through the sewer <laughs> i warned you <laughs> Oh, that was even better than imagined. <laughs> I think it's because I can't bring myself to commit. But <laughs> yeah. And then we get... It, these chapters are basically just like more and more Hugo being like, and here's another thing that the gammons get up to. And here's another thing about them. He's like, they can always draw. He's always eager to acquire uh, talents that he thinks will be like useful. Um, at one point, that was drawing pears on walls and Louis Philippe who I think must was he a king with good heartedness inherited from Henry the the IV is that four uh four yeah so yeah good job <laughs> I'm learning I can be taught like the gamut um, <laughs> uh, so this king like stopped and watched this boy drawing a giant pear up on a on like a big important pillar and was like, You this is just like great fun. I'm gonna help you and like helps him draw this pear, gives him twenty francs and is like, There's a pear on that Frank too. <laughs> You're like a nice little <laughs> vignette, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> the gammon loves uproar. Um and th- so Voltaire comes up so much in these chapters and like he's come up a lot with Hugo I feel like recently maybe I'm only just noticing him is Voltaire the one that we like at one of the episodes was like I feel like I should know who Voltaire is but yeah and both of us were like we've definitely studied him but couldn't tell you a single thing about him I think I'm actually <laughs> yeah. legitimately I need to be reminded I think I actually need to do an episode on him because at this point and he's sprinkled <laughs> in so much I don't even always like mention in the last even just the last couple paragraphs how many times he's come up that I'm like I think we're missing a lot by not remembering who Voltaire <laughs> um we need but, the dummies guide <laughs> we really do but maybe actually uh the gammon has some Voltairean attitudes even though the gammon like wouldn't know Voltaire's work so maybe by knowing the gammon we know Voltaire <laughs> <laughs> yeah and us assuming that is very gammon of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we love an uproar. But then also, like, if they're asked to sing at the in the choir at church, they will do it very respectfully. Mm-hmm. And all they yearn to ever attain is to overthrow the government and to have his trousers mended. <laughs> That's so... <laughs> I genuinely was like... As you said that, I was looking down at the trousers I'm wearing where, like, because I've been at home, so it hasn't really mattered. I have a hole in my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> and you do wish you could overthrow the government. I wish I could overthrow the government. 
well, we can attain one of those goals. I can patch those trousers. <laughs> Excellent. I feel like anywhere else you can patch and kind of look cool, but I feel like if you have a patch just like in the groin area. <laughs> the we can make it like a, a centerpiece. We can really be like, no, this, this is a little crutch moment that Nemo of all people really needs to be having. <laughs> This is all non-binary. It's just a toadstool. It's like an applique of a toadstool <laughs> and a frog. <laughs> What's in your pants? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? Oh, that's all he wants. That's all the gammon wants is a toadstool patch <laughs> on his to bend the crutch of his trousers while he overthrows the government. <laughs> anyway, the gammon in his prime is thoroughly acquainted with every policeman in Paris. And he studies mm. their habits and has special notes on them all. The souls of the police are an open book to him. And it was at this point that I remembered when I was first following Nemo. And like I've never like been in the Lamers fandom like on Tumblr or online. Like Evil got to watch me slowly be like, I guess that I'm invested in this book. I guess that I am a fan indeed. Um, but I've never like interacted in fandom or anything just sort of like from afar been like oh, I'm, I'm glad you're all doing whatever it is that you're doing <laughs> and I remember the time when there was like a is it still a thing like a big thing was like Gavroche and I was just gonna call them Russell Crowe <laughs> and Javert like oh no <laughs> yeah. yeah but like that was such a big thing that when we watched the movie I was actually expecting them to have a bigger interaction between each other because mm. I just re- mm. I had just like vaguely recalled like seeing people's like write-ups of like here's what's going on and here's behind that one look that Javert gives Gavroche's body <laughs> that I was like oh my yeah. god this is gonna be such a big thing and you're like oh it is a lot of like extrapolating from small moments or maybe they'll have big moments in this book but yeah this reminded me that that was a thing <laughs> Mm, it's yeah so it's not like huge and and in fact when when the film came out and they added the like um Javert putting the little like um award on Gavroche's body people were like oh my god that's such a good decision like you know they didn't really have much good to say about the film apart from <laughs> that oh, I see. but it kind of depends on like the the stage cast because some of them were like they interact like two or three times and at one point in some of the casts, uh, Javert will like pick Gavroche up and kind of like shake him, <laughs> like "Where are you going?" kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of depends on like what's up. And then I think a lot of people, um, because obviously people wanted to write, obviously Javert, <laughs> Javert and Valjean fanfic, where um, Valjean is a parent of Cosette, and mm-hmm. so they wanted to give um, Javert a child um so that they could do like oh we met at kindergarten or something mm-hmm. like that and i think that's some people either chose gavroche um as a kind of like adopted child or like he's not really my child but i look after him okay. um or they gave him uh i, I i've seen Bahorel and i've seen uh eponine and i've seen angelas um yeah, so it's, it's interesting, but yeah, it's not really canon. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, based on, because we'll, we'll pick out any tiny thing and be like, and in this essay, this 2,000, <laughs> 20,000 word essay based on this one paragraph, that yeah. like, yeah, the like, 
the souls of the police are an open book to him that you're like, oh, that's uh, you could do a lot with that line. Yeah, and people, for I feel real. like people have. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're really good at knowing all of the police. So I guess it also helps with like maybe knowing what you can get away with, depending on what policemen's around, like how cheeky you can be and how careful mm. you need to be. Because yeah, some of them would just get you in big trouble for anything. Um, whereas my other ones were like kind it says like you know they'll kind of be like oh you <laughs> but yeah but the boys will be like right that one's slippery that one's vicious that one's a that one's great that one's laughable um but yeah they know their their city the old spirit of ghoul is our next one mm-hmm. um I think this is the paragraph where he like really goes for it okay no it's not okay well, he's going for it in all of them, but like, there's one where it's so intense. I'm like, I just drew, drew the little eye emoji next to one of these paragraphs, so I was like, "Oh, is this the bit?" <laughs> no, it was just some, it was just some excellent Victor Hugo foreshadowing that got the little eye emoji scrolled mm. in. Um, the essence of the gammon is an aspect of the Gaelic spirit. Um, Homer nods, but Voltaire, Voltaire, <laughs> might be said to play the gammon. Uh, the... I wish I knew what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Homer nodding is a reference to the to Horace's Ars Poetica about how Homer sometimes nods off, which is him being like, "How dare Homer ever like do you know the like repeated lines." They're like, but mm. if it was a spoken word thing, sometimes you just gotta remember stuff by repeating it. <laughs> but anyway, so just like some classic Victor Hugo, dropping in as many like classical references next to his like, here's me, Hugo, using some slang. <laughs> um, and whoever Voltaire is, <laughs> he's a gammon. Maybe we should never find out. Yeah, purposely go out of our way never to. The Paris gammon is respectful, ironic, and insolent. He has horrible teeth because Uh he is ill-nourished, and beautiful eyes because he has spirit. (laughs) I am a gammon. (laughs) You do have beautiful eyes. Thank you, and also terrible teeth. (laughs) We're all just the braces, gang. Well, are you good at footboxing? I I would believe that you are. I've never tried, but... (laughs) I believe in you. I'm willing to kick some dudes. (laughs) There is no feat of which he is incapable. He plays in the gutter and rises to the occasion when there is rioting. His boldness persists in the face of gunfire. And I was like, I've seen the movie. I know that that's some really sad foreshadowing. (laughs) I guess if you haven't, then that's just the line. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a fun old line. Mm. Once a scamp, he is now a hero. Um, And Mm. he does some more. Like, there's assume there's just, like, constant, like, on the one hand, Homer. On the other hand, this little gutter boy. Um... (laughs) Like, constant. Mm. Um, Finally, to sum it all up, the gammon is a playful creature because he is unhappy. (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) I didn't see that one coming. Mm. (laughs) Although I guess maybe it's like, yeah, the first half of this, I guess, was him being like, maybe it's tragic and you'd feel sad if you saw these little orphans, but, like, 
is not sad when it happens in Paris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm now recalling. It, he, this, there's just so much of like I feel like we've kind of got the point. Maybe because I <laughs> maybe because I've read it all, it feels like it's really been hammered home for me. Maybe it's less if you're listening to me like skim over it because in my head it's been said already. But Victor Hugo again is the gammon is a credit to the nation, and at the same time a sickness. Um, here's how we cure it. But also mm. don't forget that they're great because they are <laughs> Parisian. <laughs> so we're going really strong on a light metaphor here. Light mm. is wholesome. Light is animating. Um, and then actually, okay, I'll make fun of Hugo and then immediately be like, but then, okay, this is that one time, you know, when occasionally he's like got a point um, where he's like, guys, we should really educate people, maybe, you know. <laughs> There's just so many social benefits from science and literature and the arts and education. Sooner or later, the splendid issue of universal universal education will present itself with the irresistible authority of the absolute truth and that the gammon embodies Paris and Paris embodies the world. Paris is the greatest achievement of the human race. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally the the first paragraph you're like, you know what? Yeah, okay, let's get some fucking education going. And then he's like, we're the best thing that's ever fucking happened. And this is the paragraph where he really goes off on that, that you're like, I thought we were talking about universal education. That's hilarious. It's just classic. (laughs) everything that exists elsewhere exists in paris and we get a lot of like references that i i if i was to i just couldn't there's there's just no way i could look them all up there's just just know there's a whole page of them and he's definitely comparing so it's like comparing say some great achievement or like historical figure from elsewhere and then he's like and that's like this french name that stevie doesn't recognize but for a page (laughs) i I recognized a couple but there wasn't one single like this historical figure is this french figure there was there wasn't just like one that i knew both references I guess it's kind of like the, the, these are very like uh, time specific. Like it would be like us being like, oh, um, <laughs> genuinely what first popped into my head was Bernie Sanders is the Achilles of our time. <laughs> oh my God. But actually what I meant to say was Jeremy Corbyn. I just got the two socialist old men mixed up because like Jeremy Corbyn posted something on his Twitter yesterday, which was like in response to something else. But oh, it was about the broadband because so in, in the UK, Jeremy Corbyn, for people who don't know, maybe is used to be the leader of the opposition. So like uh, the Labour Party, which is he, he was a socialist. Um or at least a centre socialist, like, more left-leaning. Um, and uh, he, when he was trying to get elected to be prime minister, he basically said we should give everyone free broad- broadband and, like, free healthcare and just, like, deprivatize everything. And everyone was, like, you know, everyone on our side was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> and everyone was like, free broadband what kind of communist are you (laughs) and like now um somebody from uh the conservative party 
uh, because of lockdown and stuff, was like, oh, I think we should give everyone free broadband. And everyone's like, oh, that's so original and so clever. <laughs> and Jeremy Corbyn, like, uh, did a tweet that was just like, you know, a very sarcastic, like, oh, wow, I can't believe nobody's ever thought of this before. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, imagine him, like, so Achilles, like, <laughs> I'm explaining this joke so hard, but for Achilles, like, he, he, uh, was fighting in the Trojan War and then he got slighted and so he like went and sat in his tent in the camp and like refused to go and fight anymore because he was like no you know what I'm sick and tired of being mistreated I'm gonna <laughs> sit in this tent until like everything is my way again so literally <laughs> <laughs> like exactly that yes I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I just like believe in my heart that that's exactly what is going on for a whole page is what Nemo just said and I just was like I'm not gonna read all of these out I guess maybe it would mean something to other people but it meant like mm. me reading the names I knew the vibe of what he was going for but it wouldn't mm. mean anything to me whereas yeah you giving a <laughs> A more updated one that I can like understand is like, yeah, okay, that makes it make more sense for me. Because like, yeah, that's that's one hundred percent like what he's going for here. And then he's also like um, basically comparing like different archetypes to their Parisian like counterpart. That he's like the Spanish Majo is like the our French uh, dandy. Um, there's like the Turkish Hamal. We've got a version of that. The Neapolitan scoundrel. We've got a version of that. <laughs> the uh, we've got Parisian Cockneys. We have a version of the Cockney. <laughs> so it's just like yeah, that he's really going off the like we have it all in Paris. And anything you think that you've ever done, <laughs> don't worry, we've got a version, and it's probably better. <laughs> This is actually really funny because this has happened a couple of times now where um, completely unplanned, you'll like say something that I've recently just like put into my PhD. Oh, excellent. This is why you um, should be the secondary researcher. <laughs> because, and I don't know how much of this I'll keep in because uh, I'm still writing it and it's a bit um, mm -hmm. angry, but I'll read what I wrote today um, and... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see what makes it to the episode. Mm -hmm. um, Hugo announces that no feature on the universal that no feature on the universal face is lacking in Paris's profile, and that all civilizations are there in condensed form, in, and all the barbarisms with them. If we take barbarisms to mean cultural specificity that does not align with white French cultural ideals. It is quite ironic that Hugo can paint his nineteenth-century Paris as being multi-ethnic and can accept while with racist terminology, that the melting pot is made superb by the hodgepodge multiplicity of a chaotic and imperfect city. But fan artists often opt to make the barbarism invisible. Whether this is out of fear of misrepresentation misrepre or because of the incorrect idea that non-white people did not live in 19th century Paris, fan artists effectively complete the colonial period's forcible assimilation of people of colour into whiteness, creating a portrait of a post-racial world where race is purely taxonomical, but where culture is monolith and whiteness has won. This race is skin deep and non-specific, easily interchangeable and without consequence. 
The only holidays routinely celebrated in fan art are Barricade Day, Valentine's Day, Christmas, and the occasional Hanukkah, as it overlaps with the winter holiday period, but never Yom Kippur. Food seen eaten or prepared are tiered cakes and pizza. Clothes worn are standard 19th century French fashion or current student wear. There's no Tussioc or Obon or Lunar New Year celebrations for the apparently Asian Jolie or Eid al-Fitir or Sekatan or Molid or Holi for the ambiguously brown Muscheta, Confer and Grantaire. Lemmy's fan art might look like a group of ethnically diverse, socially active young people, but they eat, dress and celebrate as 19th century white French men do. <laughs> uh, so yeah that's me being angry <laughs> but yeah like i basically came from like because i read that paragraph about you know uh, this this whole page uh i was basically trying to find um this one quote where uh hugo just says um paris is a mixing mixing pot yeah yeah i've got the i've got the line in this translation and the line cool because in my translation it doesn't actually use the word mixing pot anymore it just uses um like uh condensed form i think is what the um julie rose translation is and like you know it's racist he is racist he Mm. you know talks about the turk and like the um he references you know he's very orientalist in this Mm. passage and in other passages and stuff but at least he accepts that other cultures exist you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) like he doesn't try and pretend that everyone shows up in Paris and then is immediately French and like wants to be French or like, yeah, I don't know. There, there is more to this and I'll probably talk, I'll definitely talk about it a lot more <laughs> once I develop these thoughts. Yeah. But like, it, like, it does kind of frustrate me when, yeah, when Victor Hugo <laughs> can do something <laughs> still again, racist It's not a good representation. He's not, good in any form in yeah. this but at least he does acknowledge that other like people have cultures um and that yeah he can accept that <laughs> yeah like i yeah like strong agree because yeah this is definitely this yeah i get somehow we've really the stars aligned that i could read these <laughs> chapters as you got to that point so i could actually be like oh and i know the the other stuff in that chapter around it um mm-hmm. but yeah well the vibe is because like so I'll I'll actually just like get us to that bit where he's like Paris combines in an extraordinary individual who's someone he's like who actually exists and who I'm personally acquainted with Grecian nudity <laughs> Jewish tribulation and Gascon wit well yeah where you're like mm. Mm, you've cherry picked your okay but like yeah um then he like goes on to um that he's like Paris is easygoing majestically it accepts everything. <laughs> Which, yeah, you're like, mm, I'm sure I didn't, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but where he, he is being like, you know, um, enlisting in the ways that Paris, like, has. It's. Sorry, hard for me to be using words today, Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. But he. It, so the end of this chapter has that line as well, like, it is the epitome of all civilization, all barbarisms too. Paris would be very. Oh, then goes on to talk about the guillotine but uh, yeah he's got the uh <laughs> that it's the epitome of all civilizations including like all barbarisms too that i guess like my read from it and i only read through it once mm. um just now was the yeah that he's like we have things from different cultures and like uh 
Paris is synonymous with cosmos and Paris is Athens and Rome and Cyberus and Jerusalem. And, you know, barbarisms is in to mean in his racist way um, Mm -hmm. other cultures. And is like, and we're so great for that. Also, we do Mm. it better. Yeah, that I sort of... Because this is his, like, love... The the whole thing is his love song to Paris. Um, Mm. Yeah, that he... Mm. Is it once like we're so great? We have these other aspects of other cultures, but I do feel like at the same time, yeah, he's very much like we do it better. <laughs> Our version <laughs> is best. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like I guess I'm. I'm sure these themes are going to come up more. So to build on, to see more of like what you were saying of like it doesn't feel so much. That he's like, and they have to be make themselves Parisian. Like I would say, just on my one read, and like I do skim and fly through to like <laughs> because I do it just before we start recording. <laughs> my vibe was more the like we have these aspects, but it's better, and like somehow it makes them French because they're doing this mm. in France. Well, they're doing this in Paris specifically. I don't know. But also, I know how closely you read these things, and especially like this book, and how many times. So, like, I do know that you like you have the more nuanced um, approach to it. I don't know what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. That I like am like I agree. (laughs) Yeah, like to reiterate, I do not think that he is out here being like, oh yeah, it's great that like you know the Jewish people are here and like. Um, yeah i mean no sorry that's not what the read i got from what you said yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I yeah i i think it's that like i've seen a post that's been going around tumblr quite a lot uh recently which is like um perfect representations of perfect people of color who have no faults is also not good representation mm. because yeah it really does like you know we people are overcompensating they don't want to be seen as racist by uh making a portrayal of a person of color who is like who has human flaws Mm. um and so like representation becomes really flat and dull um it's not even representing you know like like the inclusion of people of color uh or characters of color becomes really like they can do no wrong um yeah and and that is like a racist thing because it because it, 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 it like doesn't acknowledge that people of color are people, are people. <laughs> yeah and i guess it's also and... that like it, what's that fucking meme of like another um something something standard for for men unrealistic, unrealistic. yeah where it's like yeah. if if you people are overcompensating and only writing people of color as like these little angels then also, mm. yeah, wouldn't there then be the, like, for people of colour, like, oh, and if I'm not this perfect, then I'm not valid as a person? Yeah, and it, it really does, like, because, you know, um, if you are, like, a minority ethnic person in a majority ethnic country, like, the UK, like, you do speak for your race, like, it, like not on purpose, but because, like, anything you do is, like, oh, all Asian people must do that, or, like, all Black people must do that, or all Black people must be like this, or all Asian people, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's, like, you know, if you don't, if you don't stay the, like, perfect little Cherubian, like, you know, person, then it's, like, oh, well, all Asian must, people must be rude then. <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> 
yeah so I, I do think that that is yeah what you said is right and and I think like again I don't think that the word barbarism is a very good word but at least it doesn't treat people like it's too far in one direction but at least it isn't it isn't in this direction that we're going in you know? yeah like yeah I think they're both two sides of the same bad coin yeah yeah I get what you mean <laughs> you're so stopped that you're like well at least he's acknowledging badly <laughs> that people exist <laughs> yeah uh, it's, it's, yeah it's quite funny I've been doing a lot of reading um, today and I, I wonder if I'll be able to find it quickly there was one quote that like made me um, uh, so this is from uh, a writer called Stephanie Wildman and she wrote this she's a white woman she, <laughs> I wrote a self-admitted white woman because that was one of the first things she said in this article she wrote this article in 1995 so it's um, as old as I am um, and which is really annoying, you know, like it's been 26 years and literally nothing has changed because I read this and I was like, yeah, um, for white people, this means that they know that they do not want to be labeled racist. They become concerned with how to avoid that label rather than worrying about systematic racism and how to change it. And I think that is like a lot of liberal politics in scare mm. quotes right now where it's like people just don't want to be seen as racist so they're like you know don't do anything that could be considered racist instead of like actually looking at the system of racism mm. um and again not to say that Victor <laughs> was uh in any in any form but at least he did start that sentence with um you know uh we should educate the people kind of thing so <laughs> Starting with yourself, Victor Hugo. That's what you said, yeah, right? Literally. That you want to be educated? <laughs> and if not, then our laws have wisely made provisions for the guillotine. Um, thanks mm. to them, the blade drips over the smarty gras. God, what I wouldn't give for a guillotine. We just need to inject that fear into politicians. I just... <laughs> just lurking. And somehow... There's his little, he literally goes from the um, Paris's blah, 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 and we've got Rome and Jerusalem and epitome of all civilizations, and we'd be very upset if we didn't have the guillotine in Paris to a uh, next <laughs> chapter. Jocularity reigns. Oh um, no, the jocks. <laughs> Paris does more than set the rules. It sets the fashion. Wow. Um, uh-huh. And like it's just more of it just like makes me laugh, but also smile for Victor Hugo this whole <laughs> chapter. He just loves Paris so much that it's almost that like it is embarrassing, but like also you're like you know I just like to see him inject some passion into what he's doing. <laughs> Cause the chapters where he yeah. doesn't are very difficult. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know whether I'll be able to find it. Oh fuck! Um, I'm trying to find it really quickly because so that that line that you said about um uh uh, uh parasets of fashion mm. um it reminds me of this thing um that was in a book that is basically like um that 
is it neocolonialism? I can't remember what kind of new phrasing of colonialism it is. <laughs> but basically, France um, after or during the sort of like latter stages of the 19th century, early 20th century, realized that they weren't a colonial force anymore. And so decided that their colonial force was going to be in the arts. And so they heavily invested in all like um, uh, fashion shows and um, cinema uh awards and all of that kind of stuff to be like heavily rooted in you have to be accepted by paris and you mm. have to be accepted by Cannes, <laughs> and like that 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 they knew that they wouldn't be able to like go and you know crack a whip colonialism people anymore mm. but that they could um still hold colonial power through like uh <laughs> Yeah, like literally, like understanding the arts and stuff. And you know, you, like literally, it's that connection between highbrow and uh. racism. Like, you know, they are the ones who designate what is highbrow, and that is French <laughs> and British um, and American uh, art. And it continues to tell us that that the only like worthwhile or award worthy or praiseworthy work is french or mm. british or european or, or or north american white north american um so yeah i i think it that that um it is all connected here with that like you know uh paris sets the fashion and it's like yeah, yeah. they 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 know <laughs> <laughs> they knew and it was very purposeful yeah it was on purpose that's what i was trying to thank you for linking though <laughs> <laughs> well, you linked it yourself you knew what was going on <laughs> That line and that thought really, like, takes you by the hand and leads you into this uh, <laughs> chapter. It goes, so Paris does more than set the rules. It sets the fashion. Paris does more than set the fashion. It sets the pattern <laughs> of daily life. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, so this is the bit where you're like, uh, but also, like, he's just having a great time. Paris may be stupid if it pleases. Um, and so, like, mm -hmm. the major theme of this chapter is, like, we are both so majestic, and majestic as a descriptor comes up a lot, um, <laughs> so we can be so majestic, and what a marvel this city is, our strange grandeur, but then at the same time, we don't take ourselves too seriously, uh -huh. um, we have a lordly jocularity, <laughs> um, <laughs> It's uprisings, it's day, day of, of trials, it's triumphs, it's wonders, it's glorious past, resound throughout the universe, and it's cock and bull stories as well. So, there's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> these chapters are so much, like, I don't know if I get across, I don't know if I read them enough, I think I just, like, <laughs> instead of, like, giving you, <laughs> the same way Victor Hugo does, I know, um, <laughs> instead of... If I read every time he repeats the same sentiment, I'd be reading all day and we wouldn't ever get through any of the chapters. <laughs> but like, he really like in these chapters, like gets that little nugget in his head and he's like, I just have to keep repeating how grand we are and how we're the center of the universe. <laughs> we're so magnificent. We're so marvelous. On the 14th of July, we liberate the world. <laughs> Wherever the future is kindled, we are there. Paris whispers the mighty watchword, liberty, in the ears of the American abolish uh, abolitionists. Abolitionists. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah. And that, like, that was the one that I, like, recognized. But he's got, as ever, a whole paragraph of them of, like, it creates this in this area and radiates greatness on Earth. Paris is by going where prompted by its inspiration that Byron dies at Missy Long- Longy? And Mazette dies in Barcelona. It makes its language one that is spoken universally. Um, this does not stop it behaving like a gammon. And even while transfiguring the world with its light, this vast genius called Paris blackens the wall of the Temple of Theseus with a charcoal sketch of uh, Bonner's nose and writes on the pyramids, Credvelli's is a thief. <laughs> <laughs> I know I always like slow the pace and stumble as soon as I have to pronounce anything. But yeah, he's like on a super roll that yeah, that he's like Paris is whenever anything of note happens, Paris is there. Um yeah. and yeah, we're grand, but also we don't take ourselves too seriously. Like we'd be uh-huh. graffitiing the pyramids. <laughs> um, <sighs> Paris is always showing its teeth. When it is not snarling, it is laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's so, it's so, like, like, British people and French people are known to, like, hate each other, right? Yeah. But, but, like, we're so similar. Like, we we hate each other because we're so similar, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I've read similar sentiments, yeah, in so many British things. I think maybe that's why it, like, made me laugh so much, because it's so over the top, but also (laughs) you're like, I've seen this a hundred (laughs) times. Yeah, it's like, it's every, like, um, geezer at a pub who's like, oh, don't take it too seriously. It's not, you know, we're laughing about it, aren't we? We're laughing. (laughs) But don't be taking the things that we stole out of our museums. <laughs> like, but don't take it so serious. It's not that deep. It's not that deep. Yeah. You should just let us keep them. Because, like, isn't it a yeah. laugh that we did that? <laughs> yeah, the, it's um, that. <laughs> the, the abolishing thing was funny as well. Because, like, it's the same thing that Britain did, where they were, like, we were like, yeah, no, like, it's so like. I can't, like, can you believe these Americans? Fucking hell, they're, like, enslaving people. Oh, my God. Like, and we have to set out these, like, um, these fleets, these, like, anti-abolishment fleets to, like, catch the American slavers. And it's like, we were them. <laughs> we started it. <laughs> They've barely been Americans for two years. Where do you think they got it from? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yep. <laughs> It's just like more of this for this chapter. Um, <laughs> I was gonna like shuffle us through. Oh, there's so little left, but so yeah, it, it is more of the same. Um, Paris showing its teeth. Da-da-da-da-da. From its smoking rooftops come the world's ideas. Why? Because it is daring <laughs> to dare. That is the price of progress. Oh the cry, behold! Um, for the advance of the human race, we need to have low, noble lessons in courage. Audacious deeds dazzle history. And we are one of mankind's greatest sources of light, to continue this light metaphor that I, Victor Hugo, had going throughout. Dawn shows daring when it breaks. 
to venture, to brave, to persist, to persevere, to be true to ourselves, to grapple with fate, to astound catastrophe by how little it makes us afraid, to challenge unjust power on the one hand, to scorn drunken victory on the other, to resist, to hold on. That is the example nations need and the light that it electrifies them. The same tremendous flash of lightning extends from Prometheus's torch to Cambrone's mouth blisterer. <laughs> it's, yeah, the very... He says so many words. <laughs> it's all just the, like, big, bombastic, majestic, self-important words... But yeah, that that whole thing is yeah being like, and Paris is that light because let us not forget that Paris has been the light throughout these these uh, <laughs> these par- these chapters, and that light is what the world needs right now. <laughs> <laughs> we have Prometheus's torch, but yeah, he just we've like. We we've talked about it often. He love he couldn't love Paris more. <laughs> I I was trying to sit there when you were when you were reading and like imagine that I existed in nineteenth century Paris, <laughs> which is like a moot point because I w- I like couldn't. <laughs> um, but uh, or I could have done you know uh, some. I won't go into the darkness there. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> um, and I was like trying to like because obviously clearly I'm here in the fourth year of Lamer's podcast because I like this book. Um, I hate it, but I do like it. Um, and whether I would be sitting in a like pub or something listening to Victor Hugo say these words and be like wow I'm so energized by the metaphor of light (laughs) because it's like it's really hard to like get into it when you don't know who any of the people are but I guess like yeah like the Jeremy Corbyn thing earlier like if 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 the it would be funny I guess if we like took this page and replaced the names with um uh people that we might recognize what it would sound like then. Um, mm. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you specifically need to be like, so these people of note from other countries, here's our English version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this kind of, I guess maybe it's hard for it. Because like, I've, we've had discussions like this actually like recently in our house. when Because, you know, there's like all the things going on with like, with the monarchy right now, um, we won't get super into it. But yeah, the the like for us, I don't know. I don't know if it's also like living in a big city as well. I, maybe it's mm. more normal to not be so nationalistic. Mm. I mean, like especially as like for me, like a white person who's like lived in England most of their life and like mm. is. Like half English, but has lived here most of the time. Not nationalistic, like you know, when you like see people like waving flags, you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah. And you're like, oh, it's probably you know also like the way the world has gone. Like maybe when I was younger, would not have the connotations of being like, oh, Union Jack. That feels a little mm. bit um, <laughs> sus. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like. 
that is just like more of like growing up in Leicester I wouldn't also I would have been a child so I wouldn't have like thought about it mm-hmm. but like you know you'd I feel like seeing flags around would be more normal and you wouldn't feel as sass like you there is that more like woo England thing mm. so like I think even if we did know the like England is the light and blah 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 <laughs> even <laughs> if we true. like understood the references yeah. we'd be like no and here's yeah. why <laughs> um whereas it was where like I feel like also just like having so <laughs> tons of pride in where you come <laughs> from was like it is still very much a thing for a lot of people, mm. but I feel like it was so <laughs> like such a thing in like Hugo yeah. time of like I guess because there was so many like wars and things going on. <laughs> you do they did have to drum up a lot of like nationalistic pride to be like, and it's worth it, and we're gonna show that so and so that we mean business, blah blah blah. So like I can imagine like Hugo reading those like we're the light and we're Athens and we're Jerusalem and blah 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 and everyone needs to look to us like I can imagine him giving that speech and people cheering like I can imagine people Mm. giving that speech right now and people cheering if it was the right crowd yeah yeah I think because I I know especially like um like the use of flags in Twitter profiles to like to to denote like what country you're living in or like where you're from or like what ethnicity you are and stuff and I think about this a lot like because for a while I followed the trend of putting flags in my bio but just looking at the Union Jack and the (laughs) Japanese uh the like rising sun I I guess it's not the rising sun because that one's the like um the fascist one with the like red uh the red stripes on it but like you know the the white of the red circle mm. I was like this is very I feel fascist <laughs> to have these, like these are the flags of two colonizing countries and I feel like a fascist mm. to, to like proudly pro- proclaim these and like like uh, my tumblr bio right now just says like eng slash jpn and it's kind of a reference to what languages I can speak more than it is to like uh nationalistic pride i guess um but yeah just looking at the union jacks and like when uh philip died haha lol um <laughs> a lot of my friends especially a lot of my black trans friends um changed their profile pictures to like white people and put all the like union jacks in their like twitter handles and stuff and started being like oh you know please donate to my patreon i'm like really broken up about um the the prince and like i don't know what i'm gonna do and like you know my boss fired me because i was crying too much about it and stuff and i was like like it's it's got to the point where you can like you know do that in britain because it is so like just seeing the union jack in someone's profile picture you can tell that they are a fascist (laughs) like that's i think so like yeah i i i don't know i don't even know whether it's like a london slash leicester thing anymore it's just how how um i guess zeitgeisty it is right now for the union jack to be like under fire and there was lots of stuff of the government being like you have to put the union jack behind you at all times now and stuff so yeah um yeah i think you're right i don't <laughs> think that i would be listening to victor hugo in paris and being like you go brother i'm fully behind you <laughs> is that just because we're <laughs> a very very colonialist 
country that were like, no, we like have a lot to be fucking atoning for and like and recognizing about ourselves. Like maybe elsewhere it would be more of a more of a rallying thing. Whereas we're like, shut up, yeah, Hugo. Because yeah. I've seen a lot of things about like, you know, um, uh, you know, like Korean people being very protective of being Korean because they have been uh, imperialized, colonized mm-hmm. um, quite a few times. And the Korean identity has been like attempted to be wiped off m- multiple times um, mm. by multiple countries, including Japan. And I think that there is now this like um, drive to promote korean culture which includes the korean flag and it doesn't hold the same like yeah <laughs> like, being proud of it isn't uh, the same as being proud of the japanese flag <laughs> um and, yeah um i've seen a lot of like you know black people who who specifically like the idea of blackness um especially in uh black diaspora communities is is a grouping that makes more sense than East Asianness because because many Black people do not know what countries their ancestors came from because of slavery, mm. and so the idea of being protective of what little culture you know that you have, um, and like being proud of a flag or being proud of like anything that you you feel is representative of you completely different meaning yeah <laughs> yeah when you're like mission shit yeah like uh, <laughs> i want my statues winston churchill <laughs> yeah like i would assume anyone who's listened to us for this long would like yeah know that that's what we were getting at but yeah that we're not like if anyone mm. is proud of where they come from that's <laughs> you're like no it's like in the yeah. context of like victor hugo talking about paris like this when like <laughs> <laughs> slavery was still a thing they were up to and like England yeah. being proud right now when it's like we're still taking massive dumps <laughs> on so many places what do you mean <laughs> like yeah the, these are not the same <laughs> yeah and that's where I'm anyway. ending this one <laughs> with, a with good old, uh... there you go a good old what <laughs> Uh, a good old um, load of uh, patriotism there for when the government makes a big old crackdown. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to hearing you in court, Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because that, that person, um, there was like a British citizen who got deported the other day who's never lived. I mean, many British citizens keep mm. getting deported. And I don't think that I would be because I'm not black or brown and I'm not from a minority faith um but I wonder how close we are to the fact that I'm a second gen immigrant and my mom is not a citizen where me saying anti-government things on a podcast for free on the internet does get me deported and like the fact that I have to think about that now (laughs) what a great country we live in (laughs) God save the queen, guys. I hope she doesn't die before this podcast gets released. I mean, it would be such a like literal case of like if they came 
For the, you talking about that the, on this podcast, if they only took you away, because I'm the same, but it's that <laughs> the, all the places I'm from are white, that is like, you would, there would be such, like, there is already a thousand case studies of it, but it would just be in such the micro of, like, you only took Nemo because I'm white. Ah, <laughs> uh, well... This has been Brandon Barricade, the Lamos podcast. If you'd like to donate to our Kofi um, so that you can support my uh, deportation fund. <laughs> no, I won't joke about that mm. because it's not something it's not something that I, you know, uh, genuinely do fear. Um, but yeah, if you'd like this podcast, you can give us a review um, or you can send us an email. Or if you have any comments, questions or quibbles, you can send us an email. Uh, Lamos Podcast, L E S M I S Podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Bread and Barricade, uh, no, <laughs> at Lamos Podcast or on Tumblr at Bread and Barricades. If you like the theme tune, you can download it um, and you can check out Jade's work. You can find her at jdwasabi.com or on bandcamp.jdwasabi, no, bandcamp.com. No, there it is, jdwasabi.bandcamp.com. Got there in the end. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks gang. for listening. <laughs> Man, I do hope the queen dies before this episode goes down with the monarchy. People are revolution. <laughs> then we just get Charles. Oh, I no. feel like there is the like actual slither of a chance of when the queen dies, like everyone who's been hanging on to being like, no, but they're so sweet and they do this, that, and the other, and the queen's so cute that would drop down like not 100 yeah, percent, but true. i feel like there would actually we wouldn't have like little old lady vibes anymore yeah i think that would actually make it more feasible and likely than it currently is of people being like actually okay we've had enough of this it's stopped being cute kill the queen kill the queen, kill the queen. <laughs> okay i'm gonna finish recording before we go to prison <laughs>